0: Hello, this is Deborah Anderson, the Black Woman Animator, coming back to you with another video. And in this video, me and Andre Rodriguez will be interviewing animation legend, Leo Sullivan. (laughs) So Mr. Sullivan, um, just wanted to start off with, uh, where are you from?
1: Geez, where am I from? Originally or recently?
0: Whatever your answer to the question is, <laughs> is, however you want to answer I
2: say born and raised.
1: Okay. I was an Air Force kid, so I was all over the country. I was born in Lockhart, Texas, mm-hmm. a little town outside of uh, San Antonio, located between two Burma-Shave signs. So you guys don't even know what that is, do
2: you? I'm, <laughs> I'm lost. Like,
1: what? <laughs> Burma-Shave signs used to be Signs along the highway, about a mile apart, that uh, had were commercials. That was the early oh. commercials. And oh well. Wow. They, they gave you a little piece of the message of the commercial, and it's, they, they were usually in rhyme. And man, you couldn't help to get to the next post to be what the next sentence was. <laughs> Burma Shave, look it up.
2: That's kind of deep. That's what they do on YouTube now, right? They drop little clips of an interview, little tiny uh, little clips until they get to the whole interview.
1: Same process, but then you had to be driving down the highway. (laughs) Wow. So what was
0: your relationship with art and animation in your childhood?
1: Well, I would go to the movies and see all these cartoons. And I thought it was little people running around in costumes doing it. (laughs) And then I started doing some research and I was in high school. And then I, uh, I said, "What is this?" And I started researching. And I said, "Hey, this is fantastic." And then my mother uh, encouraged me to do things, and I started sending it off to, uh, to uh, letters to a to few companies that were around, and Disney being one of them. And they sent me back this little packet, and I was just, boy, I was just I was so excited. You know how that is when you so I get your first book okay, in. Uh, oh man. It's like a fix. <laughs> yeah, definitely. When
2: I saw my first, when I saw my first model, uh, in a shot, yeah, it kind of it was a a surreal feeling. Yeah.
1: So, and as a result of that, I went uh, when I got out of high school, I went to. We were in the state of Washington, and we yeah. left there and went. My dad was transferred; he was in the Air Force, back to uh, uh Riverside, California, March Air Force Base, and all that. And I was uh, went to Chaffee High School, studied art as my major and uh, business as my second. And uh, then I went to school, took a lot of art classes and everything. And and, uh, and then started going. Uh, then I went to Chautauqua Art Institute, which is now the Arts Center, which I think changed to uh, what is it now? Cal Arts, yeah, it's now Cal Arts. So it's gone through its revolution. Uh, development, so I went there, and uh, then I started knocking on doors, animation industry, and uh, I got in. At the time, so I was I, one of okay. I had a question the about I'm the.
2: Uh, did yeah, did um in. did growing up in the military and moving around? Did you feel that helped you with kind of getting into into the art in the world of art and, and animation? Was that an advantage, or was it, or is it something that kind of, was it an obstacle?
1: No, I I learned a lot by traveling around the country, like right? to New York and uh, Texas and different places, uh, Washington D.C. I mean, uh, uh, Washington State, Moses Lake, Washington, where I graduated from high school in 1958. So, all of that was part of the growth.
2: That's
0: amazing. So, when you got into animation, uh, I think I've heard you say there were four other Black people (laughs) that you knew of in animation?
1: That I knew of. Jesus. Can you name them? When I did some research, I found that there were six. (laughs) 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 Do you know their names? At the time, it was um, oh geez, Frank Braxton.
0: Mm-hmm. Have you heard of him? He uh, I through, through some. I have, yeah.
1: Uh, Floyd Norman, my long time. Mm-hmm. I heard of. I heard of him. Long time friend for almost years or so. Um, who was Bob Go? Bob Go and. Uh, there was some other people that would come on. Oh, Jackie Banks, a black girl. They worked mm-hmm. in the studio. I worked my first studio. She was there. That's where I met her. And uh, we worked off and on at various studios over the years. And, uh, that's, 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 that's and if
0: it. people look up Bob Go, that's G-O-E, just to let you know.
1: Yeah, Bob Go. is G-O-E, yeah. Bob Go. Really, yeah. Yeah, so,
0: mm-hmm.
1: Animator. Yeah.
0: So when you got in, well, um, so, how did you get your start at animation, animation, uh, that first experience?
1: My first experience. Well, I always made my own films. I made a film about the old Christopher Columbus. The last time in college, at Cape Junior College, down in Ontario uh, area, Paramount. I made a film. I was trying to copy a Disney film, a uh, Bambi, because <laughs> I was so enthralled with that. And so I did these uh, did this little three-minute film. And that was my sample reel of going around. That's how I got in the scenarios, because it was that reel. And then later years, when I went around with my uh, uh, the other film, it was about, about a little three-minute film on in line, almost like a rap film of the day, about Christopher Columbus. And the film basically ends in uh, the dialogue back and forth between <laughs> and, telling the story about how the earth is round. And that's what Chris thought. But at the end of my film, the earth was square. And he fell off the edge, that was a payoff
2: I dig that. Yeah, get him out of here.
1: No, I ran ran out of film. (laughs)
2: <laughs> the resources, man. Right, when you run out of resources, right. you got to be creative.
1: That's right,
2: no doubt. <laughs> so, the 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 six that you knew, the the other the other six of us that were in the industry, were y'all in the same vicinity, or were you scattered in different <laughs> well, companies?
1: Yeah, we were in different companies, except for Jackie. How worked at the same uh, Company and uh, Floyd, was, Floyd was at the uh, Disney's, and Frank Braxton came to work for a little while, and I just do his assistant work because he was kind of mentoring me. And then he left there because he went on the other studios and offered him a better better deals and everything. And so I was left there and being mentored by some of the old, great animators from Warner Brothers and Disney and that sort of thing. And it was quite an experience. I learned a lot. And uh, that, that was, uh, yeah, that's how,
2: how funny. How did it feel to have another one of us, like, in the same room? in the, you know, in the same uh, environment.
1: Well, technically. Cause I know when
2: I see my folks, I'm like, yes, you know?
1: <laughs> well, you know, I guess in my background, I was kind of, kind of like to be a little white boy. <laughs> right. So I didn't have any feelings about the, the black and white thing. I didn't find out about all of that until later. Not mm-hmm. uh, until my, Career when I saw certain obstacles or uh, uh, hurdles I had to like uh, you know, competition, uh, artist egos, and all that kind of stuff. So, just when I saw you on another interview, uh, uh and I, I said, Boy, same old, same old. But anyway, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> pretty much, it's it's, it's it's it was great. I mean, I didn't have any actually that was a problem because I was so bodacious and uh, I guess you might say a little arrogant. And uh, so I didn't have any fears like that. Mm.
2: That's actually, that actually, uh, it seems like if you, if you didn't have that in your mind going in, that could actually help with, with better navigating that stuff. Cause when you know there's a fight coming, you, you're going to be a little bit more apprehensive. You're going to be a little bit more guarded. Right? So if you don't have that in your mind, you can kind of be a little bit more carefree.
1: Well, I sometimes you guys uh, you have to forget when people develop legacies while that's happening, all those are is just jobs. <laughs> so you're working every day. So you're not mm-hmm. thinking about that. You're thinking about trying to get your footage out or trying to get uh, make the drawings look correct or whatever whatever true. that applies to the, to the growth of the job.
0: So um, Dan, Dan Haskett mentioned to me that uh, a few decades ago there was a, uh, a meetup at a soul food restaurant where every almost every black person in animation had came. Yeah.
1: By then, I was almost like, man, I guess that was kind of 20 years into my career. The Dan yeah. and all those guys uh, and uh, what is the other? What is, uh, Byron Bonds and God, this? the uh, Ron Husbands, all those guys kind of mm-hmm. showed up uh, at a later time. Uh, the Bruce Smiths. Mm-hmm.
3: Uh,
1: I gave Bruce Smith his first job. He never nice. Talked about that, but I gave him his first job in animation, and he worked at a place called, uh, uh, Bob, not Bob but, uh Tom Carter Productions.
3: Mm-hmm. And I
1: gave him his first job in animation. He was a good animator coming from uh, at the time Cal Arts.
3: Yeah, and,
1: and that's why he rose on the Bay Bay's Kids and all that kind of stuff, and Proud Family and. and uh, that growth, but I gave him his first job, and uh, I'm kind of proud of that. CalArts,
2: man. Cal Arts be putting a lot of talent out there. I, I know so many people in the industry that have been to CalArts. Yeah. I kind of I need to go over there and take a peek at it.
0: <laughs> so, like, as compared to, I know you didn't have the wherewithal to notice, you know, being one of, Four, four, you thought four at the time, but it was actually six. And then fast forward to that soul food restaurant. Did it, Was it a good feeling to see all those people in the animation industry? That growth of Black people in the animation industry?
1: I have an answer to that, which I always use. That was more competition. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> I've actually said that before I said that, you know, sometimes you <laughs> some people might look at that as, yeah, they could be like, whoa.
1: But now it's yeah, yeah, yeah. now
2: it's now it might be harder for me to get in the door.
1: Yeah. Uh but yes, that was a that was a great feeling. I got mm-hmm. photographs of that whole thing. But oh yeah, man.
2: We gotta see you those. <laughs> Bruh. Everybody, OG.
1: Was everybody was a lot younger. <laughs>
2: and we gotta see those <laughs> photographs, man. We gotta make one of those into a shirt, you know.
1: Stand
0: it in.
2: For real. Man, please. Get those, Deborah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> roll by the house, like
2: right. <laughs> <laughs> so, how, how um, long? How long? How long did that meeting last when y'all got together
1: at that spot? Well, what we were trying to do is to uh, bring the guys together. It it, it happened on two occasions uh, mm-hmm. where we thought we we should. That was kind of like during the uh, latter part of the '60s and going into the '70s, and so we figured that we should have some kind of coalition of, uh, of uh, the black artists to be able to just, uh, just pretty much what you guys are trying to do these days, to mm-hmm. be able to have a, a voice. And we don't know what that was, because everybody that worked, some of them will get paid more than others or, uh, or had higher positions. But, you know, it wasn't. it wasn't the same issue. Most of the artists, how can I put it politely? were kind of docile, as long as they were working and doing drawings and and and, and being paid for that. What greater job they have than that? So if I rock the boat.
2: <laughs> yeah, there's that there's that term, rocking the boat. <laughs> I stay rocking it though.
0: <laughs> right? I, was, I was about to say that.
2: <laughs> yeah, I stay rocking. I don't mean to. People people ask me questions and I answer them. I mean, yeah, that's all I but can I do.
1: Guess, yeah, one of my things was that. I always felt like I was uh, uh, outside of the industry after my first uh, 20 years in it. You know, I've been in the industry over 50-something years, 60 years, uh, off and on, directly. I kind of, like, went into my own thing over the years, Mm -hmm. back in the 70s, 80s and everything. Started my own company because I always felt like, hey, you know, this is great. But now that I got to amount of professional experience, it was time to go out and, and I see what the real world is like. And that real world is when I grew up. <laughs> <laughs>
2: okay, now let's start right there. Right when your eyes got big.
1: In other words, what, what? I, wasn't a white, I wasn't a white
2: boy anymore. <laughs> right. <laughs> and It's always
0: what, interesting when, when black people become black.
2: <laughs> where, where, what was the it's first experience?
1: They don't talk about that.
2: What was the first experience? What was the first instance where you said, oh, this is how it is?
1: Um, That never came out. Nobody ever called me any names to my face. Mm
3: -hmm. Nobody ever,
1: there was never any confrontation. Uh, The biggest time that any of that happened was when I was subcontracted as an individual And then you're going to get work and you're competing with other subcontractors. And then you get these little digs in you, like maybe your work wasn't as great as the other guys. Mm -hmm. It's like, uh, how can I put it? Like my my friend Floyd sometimes, why are you guys insulting us? We're doing this shit just like you're doing it. (laughs) (laughs) Real
3: talk.
1: You know what I mean? It's like, uh, so that was just kind of, one thing when you're on a bunch of artists, it's probably something that goes beyond the race thing, and that's the competition of just being an artist.
3: Mm.
1: Artists compete all the time because they, they look at each other's what they do and they say, Oh, what a skill level, or what a, what a I can do better than, than that, or I wish I could do that. And, uh, the, and that's a constant com- competitive things. They're no different than any other artist, you know, mm. competing. So when you're in a pool of artists, no matter what the nationalities are across the across the board, there's still that competition factor. When I was running studios in uh, in China and in Japan, there was something... Humble brags,
2: humble brag there.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same, same. <laughs> was the same thing with the Chinese animators uh, versus the, the the Philippine animators and the Koreans. Man, I, you don't know how many fights I had to settle up. Uh, uh, Confrontation, uh, because one person's group of films turned out better than somebody else, or et cetera, et cetera. So that goes on all over the world. So what you was employed the...
0: Norman, um, co-founded uh, Vignette Films Incorporated. So where <laughs>
1: yeah. you you
0: um, you produce you know educational films on Black history and did contract projects such as um, Hey Hey Hey, It's Fat Albert. So, what brought on the decision to own your own, like start your own studio, and, and what made you concentrate on Black history?
1: Because that time there was Black history comes out of any quantity. As I researched the market, I was always kind of like the business component of, of the company and everything. And um, research the stuff. And I said, hey, you know, this seems like an opportunity. There so, no, there's no big deal for me to get on the plane and go to conventions. Uh, Book conventions and and uh, content at that time, content was uh, books and, and videos, 16 millimeter films, all that kind of stuff that were sold to libraries and institutions. Plus, so I think hey, that's a place for me to go and do some research. So I would go, like call companies up, make out proposals, and I'd go in with my budgets and uh, titles of what I want to do. And you know, in most cases, I got the job.
0: Past. Making your own path.
2: That's right, carving it out. Was yeah. what? What was the difference? That, was there any difference when you were when you were running studios um, in China? What were the differences between there as opposed to running studios uh, here? Because I'm pretty sure you ran some stuff here too in the states. What were the What were the I biggest did. differences between the two?
1: In China, the Philippines. My boss is here. Let me do what I wanted to do to get the job done.
2: Oh, that sounds nice. (laughs) That sounds nice. So that was in in China.
1: I could call them and say, I need another 50,000. I need another 100,000. I need a hundred. Never send it to me. Whoa. Okay,
2: so that was China. And then so here in the States, you are are red tape. Never get it. (laughs) Wow. Jesus. That is a big difference. Is there any, were there any other, because that sounds like financial, were there any other differences, were it like cultural differences?
1: Yes, it was at the time when I was in the in, uh, studio in uh, China, <laughs> Excuse me. Uh. people in the studio, they knew two black people, but they had pin on the walls. That was Michael Jackson and Neil Sullivan. <laughs> Damn. I heard that. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's that, Does that answer that question?
2: That does, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> grand opening, grand closing. Okay.
0: After living in South Korea, I can vouch for the Michael Jackson thing. <laughs> <laughs>
2: so I've never been in an I've never been in an area where you know, black folks are looked at looked. Looked at in that manner, in you know, in big corporate setting, you know what I mean. Okay, we're usually, now, yeah, we're usually that. in the background.
1: In Asian society, when you begin to get older, are you are you no more or whatever you want to call it? Uh, and your skill levels are, are that they give respect to your knowledge. Mm-hmm. Here in the U.S., they don't do that. The young folks today try to stifle uh, people like me. Yeah, you know? that's. They don't know that they got an old jewel sitting
2: there, nice yeah. <laughs> a gym, real talk that's that's why I'm here right now because <laughs> I know they um, and there's a just, hierarchy because yeah. even yeah, in
0: it, I when I was not learning not Korean be. language, you there was a hierarchy to how you spoke to people like you spoke to people older than you this way, you spoke to people younger than you this way, so it's really important in their cultures,
1: that's right, that's right, and so. I didn't have any problem. I remember once in, in the Philippines uh, when uh, I was running a studio there. In uh, China, I ran a studio for about a year with about five to 600 people. Most of my supervisors were from Taiwan and uh, because they had more uh, Western uh, connection as far as English and the, those artistic things that we wanted done that they could interpret to... Uh, mm-hmm. The People's Republic uh, uh, animators and all that sort of thing. Uh, And in the Philippines, uh, it was kind of like pretty much the same thing. But they they could speak English and had more Western connection. I remember once in in China, I said, I got a surprise for all my animators. I brought them out in about 30 of them. And I said, "Uh, you're going to see this film. It was Roger Rabbit. I had to sent over to China and they sat there and they were just looking at that and they were amazed. Mm-hmm. And we, of course, we had to stop it every once in a while. So our Mandarin and uh, Cantonese interpreters could, can interpret it to the, to the guys watching it. But the action of the movie kind of explains it to them and I thought that was great. So, amazing. So we,
2: huh? That's amazing. No, I'm just listening to the history of how you were how in that setting. You were kind of building the culture at the studio, as opposed to yeah. as opposed to over here, culture's set upon us, and yeah. we just have to deal with it and navigate through it.
1: Yeah, that's that's one of the uh, the advantages I have. My my bosses were were sweethearts. They just say, "You you get it done." Can you imagine working on thirty half-hour films at one time?
2: No. That sounds like a whole
1: lot. I've done that. Now, by the end of my two years, one year in the Philippines, one year in China, I was pretty stressed out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Understandably. Yeah. Understandably. I, yeah.
0: I couldn't... Yeah, when I was in Korea, I was like, I'm glad I did this in my 20s. <laughs> <laughs> right.
1: Yeah, yeah you, get, you get the message. <clears throat> so...
0: So, um, when I was in Korea there, I, I met a guy, Carl Linton, and uh, he was the director of um, the Cleveland show. He was a, a black guy. Um, he, he was Jamaican, but he's from Canada. And he told me about an illustration, like a, a cartoon strip from back in the day, where they um, they had a cartoon strip where it was a picture of America. And all and all these kind of arrows going to California, where American animators tend to go to California for stuff. And then he said, like, I don't know if it was just Canada, but it was like the Canadian animators. The arrows went out to the world. So, what like, what can you speak to? You know, our propensity as Americans to kind of think of Disney, 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 and and then other countries are like trying to spread around the world and get jobs in animation.
1: The U.S., all the big companies in the U.S. is is a thing of market. Mm -hmm. What they do is uh, they kind of carve it up. uh, The big guys like the Netflixes and the Disneys and the Amazons and everything, they think big. And because they think big, that's why the uh, young artists and people who want to get into the field uh, have such a hard time. You know, when you think of your great idea or whatever, your little pilot, two-minute pilot, or one-minute pilot, and you first thing you think about is going knock on Netflix's door. <clears throat> what you don't realize is that that line stretches about thirty-five miles. <laughs> Real talk. You know what I mean? So, so and then that's when you, if you get to the door, and then to sit down with somebody, to say, hey, we like what you're doing, and in most cases. But I always say to young people, yeah, your idea is great. But producing it, that's another whole story.
2: Yep, another animal completely. Peace. I'm hearing all this noise and I'm like, Am I am I really I'm gonna stay in my cubicle and just keep modeling?
1: <laughs> no. <laughs> have ambition is the thing that makes it grow. See, part part of the problem with all the young animals that I've seen on some of these things and I you know watch them talk and I just listen and I say is that <clears throat> you gotta go out there and if you can and do it on your own and form coalitions working mm-hmm. with together as people to to build your own industry. Yeah. Just think if we collectively could got together and we can be I meaning little groups, but our mission the same, why would you have to go knock on those doors?
2: Right. wouldn't
0: and it's yeah. more possible today
2: that's
1: right
0: So, um, absolutely to go back to um, vignette films I don't know if I'm misremembering this but did you guys ever film some riots
1: <laughs> uh, yeah when the Watts riot the uprising they called it in the community took place back in the 60s I had a, a Bolex camera that uh, Floyd had, um, and I bought from Roy Disney, he added up to see wow. the flipping wall, and I said, Hey, let's get that camera. I was always trying to get a, a Bolex camera, a 16 millimeter camera. That, that was like, Geez, that, that was my dope. You know, I had to get that. <laughs> so, so we bought the camera. <laughs> <laughs> just
0: to let you know, just to let you know, even though I'm a youngin', when I went to Rochester Institute of Technology our first quarter, we used Bolex cameras.
1: Yeah, they were great cameras. Yeah, you know. Yeah. But what they did at the time. But, but anyway, <clears throat> so Floyd and I said, hey, you know, let's go out there and put some footage, get some footage for one of our historical films. So we, boy, it's great to be young. Um, <laughs> 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 we, <clears throat> we went out there in the middle of the ride and, and uh, chasing people and, and photographing them burning down stores and, and uh, all kind of stuff. And then we came back to, uh, uh, we went, when the National Guard came in, we went the way they were camped out before they came into the city and thrown them all gathered and everything. And then they, <clears throat> at the time, the networks called people who did freelance like that, stringers. Mm-hmm. In other words, mm-hmm. we're like uh, somebody who uh, went out and got footage that they couldn't get, it's almost like what they do today. All the news programs basically is... a. Uh, iPhone footage. it's yeah. getting <laughs> stuff just, from social media. That's right, yep. they don't have to go out with teams all over the world getting stuff now. And then they can download it and uh, people can broadcast from home. Think about that, that's pretty fantastic techn- technology. Even what we're doing right now is a fantastic technology. But anyway, mm-hmm. so we went out and filmed that and took it to ABC or NBC, one of those, and sold it. And uh, they bought it on the spot. And then I started looking at it, and I said, well, "Gee, where's Floyd? Look at that! People are getting killed." <laughs> you know? oh, yeah. I says, uh, "They wanted us to go out again," and I said, "No, no, 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 no." <laughs> <laughs> and so that's that story about the, the killing. Yeah,
3: can they, you tell they the story about you guys
0: breaking into your? Yeah, can you tell the story about you guys breaking into your office? <laughs> Boy, you you
1: breaking you into much,
2: you're much breaking into your
1: office? You saw the documentary huh? yeah yeah <laughs> well here's what happened <laughs> da, 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 da. <laughs> we had a business on uh, on uh, Western Avenue Western and Olympic at the time. We were on the in the same building with uh, a guy who became mayor of Los Angeles mayor of Tom Bradley mm-hmm. never was the a lady a black lady who became a supervisor of LA County. Elon uh, Brathwaite did our corporate papers, so we ended up. Uh, she recommended building up some offices, and we moved in there, and uh, and we started developing these films for various companies like McGraw Hill, Doubleday, mm-hmm. all, all that sort of thing, and independence uh, independent distribution companies. A lot of the uh, book publishing because they were trying to get into into their 16 millimeter film, and they just won no book. Black people doing anything.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: We were an 8-8 franchise uh, company under I mean, the U.S. government. And in the country, there were only two. There was one on the West Coast, which is uh, our vignette multimedia uh, me, And there was one on the East Coast. I got it. We do doing a lot of stuff with the PBS when mm-hmm. PBS was uh, kind of getting started. So we were the two companies that were producing stuff at the time. And uh, so... Um, what can i can gonna say, well, it didn't go so well for a while, and uh, and couldn't pay the rent, and, and the IRS came on us because of back taxes uh, in the business. As I always, you look at it now, you say that's uh, back taxes. We didn't make any money, so <laughs> what are we owe taxes for? But that for was the when the when the when the uh, uh, IRS came out there, anybody that was behind, and they really did some horrible things they were reined in by uh, Congress and everything. But anyway, they locked us out of our office. I said, Floyd, we got to do something. And they had the locked doors all locked, but we knew how to get in. <laughs> <clears throat> That's what we did. We got in. But here's to show you where we were as artists. With all that valuable equipment in there, uh, and we stole the film Well, I guess we didn't really steal it. We took it. We took the film, 10 millimeter film, and and animation paper, (laughs) and we went to a restaurant and kept our business going.
2: There you go. That's what I'm talking about. Got to find (laughs) a way, man.
1: Pencils and leave the cameras. Boy, now we talk about that all the time i said you know we were fools we? Say, no, we were just young
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey as long as you got the, as long as you got you know something to, to put the talent down on that's all you need right
1: that's what i always said I've Done that many times
2: paper and pencil that's it then you good
1: that's, that's right sometimes working with the computer you say why why do i gotta go through all these damn stuff i just get a stack a sheet of paper and it's done. a <laughs> hey,
2: hey, Mr. Sullivan, some of us just ain't that good.
1: <laughs> That's what it comes down to. And, and, and then you go and you talk to people and then they say, well, do you, now to be an animator, think about this, to be an animator now, you gotta know about 15 programs
3: mm-hmm. and
1: then you gotta draw. And then you gotta, really what they're doing is they're, they're hiring about 10 classifications all in one person and paying you peanuts for doing all that work. And Real they talk. got a pool of talent to pull from, which they, which, which they really are doing is they're just, they're just raping your skills.
3: Mm. Real
2: talk. I agree with that a hundred percent. That's, uh, they just, um, at Blue Sky, they just, uh, all the stuff that's going on, Blue Sky, the changes and whatnot. Yeah, they just, you know, a couple of people that are the OGs, you know, wound up leaving. And it's like, man, you know, getting rid of the OGs is like, that's that's getting rid of the essence of any company or any, you know, any environment. You know what I mean? But, um, yeah. these people with the suit and ties on, they don't they don't listen. They ain't paying attention.
1: Well, no, we gotta remember now, <clears throat> in our animation industry, most of the studios at the time that I came in were owned by prior Disney or Warner Brothers animators, like, uh, Bill Hammond, Joe Barbera, uh, Plamped, Bob Clampett, I worked with him at the Snowball Studios, on the old Beanie and Cecil shows and, and uh, all those kinds of things. And uh, They were all animators in that era. So they had a compassion with the artists that worked for them, because they had come through the ranks and had that emotional contact. But then the suits showed up. Yep. the suits showed up, the whole dynamics began to change into what it is today. So the suits know more more than the guys who are actually making the film. But all they are is, uh, and I saw this back in the uh, early uh, uh, 60s, 70s, when I was doing some stuff for uh, for, like the Transformers and all that, with Marvel, and all the new producers coming coming in. uh, uh, All they did were, usually they were production managers. And while a lot of ladies became producers, well, at the time the ladies couldn't be producers, they came in and they were uh, managers, production managers, and that was their entree into the field because they kept, They kept track of all the stuff, so when the producers needed to have information about how to get the shows out, they were able to go to. So that's how they rolled in the industry, uh, to free the producers and what have you doing her thing so um yeah when the suits came in then the dynamic changed and then technology showed up and then that changed the whole dynamic changed a whole lot of stuff yeah then we are where we are today
2: which is a whole lot of red tape now we got so much it's kind of weird we got some red tape on we got some red tape on some things but other things uh you know with the with the internet um You know being in every household and and it's you know programs are more accessible now more people can kind of do their own thing but to get to that next level there's you know there is a lot of red tape you got to go through unless you have a good coalition of people that you can trust that are working together um that that being said that being said do you do you work do you work with a, a group of people now that you trust like do you have a core group of people today Solo. No, I'm solo.
1: <laughs> Here's the problem with when groups of people come together, their passion, their dreams and everything is why they come together. And but the problem that they have is they stay together, unless they're really, really dedicated, and the jobs are really split up in what they're gonna do as responsibility to contribute to the overall effort is jealousy or one-upmanship or somebody knows something somebody else doesn't know that's in the group and then you start seeing the groups fall apart that's why it's so so difficult to do that so that means that either you do go out and raise your own money or you get money from people that are not so connected with what it is that you're doing and they give you money and then that puts you in a position if you got some business acumen to be able to to uh, research and do and the talents to move on see most of the young guys that are coming up in industry now they are specialists in what they do so they're kind of taken away from the table of creativity and being producers to do their own thing that's a bad spot to be in because that means how do you what you're waiting for I hate to say it like this but You're waiting for the enemy to give your animation to shoot at him.
2: (laughs) No, you're right. You're right. That's like the con to the pro, basically. Yep. Yeah. And that's the
1: reality. People don't like to hear that. But I've been out here, and next month on the 10th, if I make it, I'll be 80 years old. But I've been in my craft are you that same date? September 10th? September 10th. Oh, wow. I knew that was... A few decades after.
2: <laughs> destiny, <laughs> right. This is destiny right here.
1: A Virgo. Okay, a Virgo. All right. So, unless you do that, some people will break out of the pack and go on and do their own things. And I think that's fantastic. But uh as a... As a, uh, a landing force hitting the beach, there's going to be a lot of casualties. Mm. Bars—that
2: was a good <laughs> quote right there.
1: What's <laughs> a good quote?
2: That's real. No, that's real. <laughs> so, so, so you don't have like any folks, like your go-to folks to work with, like, like if you're if you're working on a project, there's nobody that comes to mind. Like, okay, I need to call these people. Yes,
1: <clears throat> right now I'm in the process of. Excuse me, I got to get here. <clears throat> yes, I'm reaching out to a lot of young guys that, that do modeling, and and uh, that's what you do, isn't it? Boom, mm-hmm.
2: that's what I do. <laughs> both of us. I want,
1: I want my characters model. Yeah, do you have time to do that, or are you too busy with the man?
2: <laughs> we, we we gotta we gotta talk offline because we can get okay, something going. Okay. okay <laughs> when it comes funny. to the OGs, man, I'm gonna answer the call for real. You okay. know what I mean?
1: Uh, so anyway, yes, I'm working with some young guys uh, to to give that that new look or that new. What do you guys call it? I I, I guess cool is out now. What's the new word now? Uh,
2: what what we got? What we out. got
1: hip. Hip is out too. I don't know all the new, You guys change the, the, the names every every Friday, so I can't keep see. Up. He... <laughs> you know, see, here's my Not here's after my I graduated
0: college, I was like, "Can y'all just speak?" I I get it now. I'll be like, "Can y'all just speak English?" Because. <laughs> here's
2: here's my thing see i i'm i'm in my 40s right which is which is uh which is still young to you mr sullivan but Sorry. i'm in my 40s right and i always say whatever lingo you speak that's what you speak you know what i mean i'm not trying to speak what the what the youngins are saying nowadays i got my own lingo i got my own swag and that's it so however you want to say it you know handle your business
1: when i'm talking to people because And i said what the hell are they talking about <laughs> <laughs> And I find out what they're talking about is what I learned thirty-five years ago. <laughs> they, they just called a new name.
2: Yes, new name. You got wet. You got wet weight. Um, what 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 else lit. is there? Uh, lit. You got lit litty. You know, yeah, there's different. But I say I say stick with the lingo that you came up with. If you want to say hip, I'm cool with that. You know.
0: My dad always calls me thigh because I'm not hip. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay. I,
1: I gotta remember that.
2: <laughs> see that works <laughs> it's like, in how you deliver it right it's in how you, if, mm-hmm. if you cool when you deliver it it's gonna sound cool well some young the
1: guys these days are in doing what i call the new swag there was swag in, a, in our day but now the swag is uh amplified by by access access to the technology access to the, your name? knowing a little bit or have a different kind of skill than uh, what somebody else has and a guy says well i can model very good or i can i can animate the models but i can't rig or i can do this or i I, mean, I, don't, I don't forget about about four or five years ago uh when flash remember when flash came out mm-hmm. remember that
2: back back in the day
1: yeah so i was going around like, hey you there's an animator you, you know flash i said no, nah, we don't need you. Years later, they were looking for, Flash looked the way it looked. They were looking for experienced animators to work for them. And I said, ah, no <laughs> I'm gonna do my own thing. Good, That's bad, right. good, bad or indifferent. I do my own thing so I don't have to answer to anybody. I really resent that answer to anybody. I mean, uh, I'm at the age now I can't go into an office and sit down and make it, a little pimply-faced guy looking at me, a uh, producer, <laughs> talking, <laughs> talking to me. Uh, well, here's what we do here. Which so first of all, I'm, I'm embarrassed myself by walking in. That's number one. So I put myself in the grips of the evil master. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, you, hey, when we get our thing going, it ain't gonna be like that when you walk in. When you walk in, it's gonna be a party. That's yeah. how we gonna do it. Well, I
1: appreciate that. Yeah. And uh, and I'm still out here. <laughs> what is she? What are do you know? doing you know? today? I
0: was, I was, it's a party. Yeah. I was dancing. We're gonna be dancing. Yeah, we're gonna
2: be <laughs> kicking it. I said party, and then Deborah responded. She she got the swaying. <laughs>
1: Basically, it's, it's, uh, if, if you wanna jump out there, you know, really analyze that because uh, the worst thing to do is when you jump out there and you have to come back. Mm. Yeah, and you no jump. So if You can tell back, you
0: like, between your legs.
1: Yeah, yeah, you got to come back without both, all six guns blazing because other, for, the, for you to have worth because they mm. don't, they'll remember that you didn't comply. You want the slave they thought you were
2: <laughs> you know it's funny i always tell people at my job when i when i i got into the industry in 06 you know and i said let me tell you something when you see me remember you seeing a brother just like them brothers you see on the news you want me to have a job because if, if, if i don't have a if i don't have if i can't feed my family i'm taken from y'all
1: that's right that's right and that's
2: it so you can so you can you can square that however you got to square that but just remember that you want me in this building working and chilling and paying my bills and take, and feed my family yeah you well, know?
1: What's, what's the uh, what's going on now in the country <clears throat> uh, I think a lot of the young people for the first time kind of got somewhat of a wake-up call oh yeah of, of where they where they actually are so they thought that people like me had cleared the road from, for poem and Martin Luther King but we were just the guys who at the beach. After the first wave of soldiers and marines, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you guys were the—you guys are in the next LST that's going to land. It's behind us. You got to fight the battle too.
2: Yeah, and, and it's
1: but hopefully we, yeah, they'd be giving you ground to stand to be able to fight. But you got to realize we had to wake people
0: up. up first to make y'all
1: proud. They were asleep. Yeah, they <laughs> that's were. That's they, was, they was they
2: were sleeping comfortably
1: yeah they were sleeping comfortably and all of a sudden they have no bank accounts they live they they on credit cards they don't plan for the future they're not a- entrepreneurial they don't know how to collectively come together and, and formulate their own coalitions to up- upgrade themselves and um uh, and the one thing that young people don't think about that's getting mold mm.
2: yeah that's real. You only got a certain amount of time.
1: You got a certain amount, amount of time. And uh, so like around my almost 80, every day is a blessing from now on. <laughs> real talk. Mm-hmm. Only 30 or 40. That's not an issue.
0: That reminds me of when I was in, uh, living in South Korea and I went whitewater. Well, I don't know if it was whitewater rafting. We went rafting. Uh, and the first couple divots we went over, We our, our boat flipped over, and so it flipped over twice, and and so after that, every time we went down a divot, everybody clapped, like, yeah! <laughs> and so that's like, I guess that's getting old, like, every year. Yes! <laughs> that, that's, right,
2: that's right. Every day is a blessing.
1: No, it gets
0: worse. Right, yeah, not every year, every day.
2: Yeah. real talk. That's where I'm at. I'm, I'm counting the day. I'm like, hey, every day is a blessing, man.
1: The time will come when you Open your eyes in the morning. You say, I made it again.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, already feel my, I already feel my back when I'm when I'm getting out of bed. I'm moving slow, like, ooh. You know what I mean? So yeah.
1: <laughs>
2: I feel it. Like I ain't I ain't as swift as I was, you know.
1: So my message out to the young guys and young ladies. Watch your step. Oh,
2: that's my 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 song. I got sunshine. See, I, yeah, see, I,
1: come, I come from another era.
2: Hey, that's a good that 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 song is timeless, though. Come on now.
1: <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so anyway, my, my, my sermon here is that uh, for the young people to be able to to uh, count those days and use them to your advantage. To get out there, this window that that we're in right now is going to be short-lived.
0: Yeah,
2: take it. Close. Ice Cube said the same exact thing on his on his IG. He said the same thing. We have a window right now. It's going to be short.
1: Yeah. So we come together in how we do that in this window. Support Black businesses. Bring the dollars in, in, in the Black community. Give them. Give them uh, something so they can go. An example: yeah, we're going to be at, we have a crowdfunding thing that's happening, and some other thing. We're trying to get subscribers to our, our little, uh, mm-hmm. leveling, uh, web website and everything and all that, uh, and as a way to hire people like you, Dre. Are you, are you a, a black woman animator? <laughs> <laughs> They're
2: gonna start knowing you by that. You go. You're gonna be beat up.
1: Something B-W-A. B-W-A. <laughs> so, so the people that they can support that they don't have to be animators or directors mm-hmm. or have that passion, but they can support it in order for somebody like me that has uh, platforms and everything to give mm-hmm. guys like you an opportunity to be able to, to uh, spread your talents and experiment uh, because with me, you can experiment, mm-hmm. up, uh, whatever, and uh, you don't get fired the next day. The biggest thing you'll get fired for me if you don't deliver
0: right yeah. and so <laughs> let's segue that message and your ringtone into talking about leo um what what is it leo sullivan media multimedia foundation so um i saw on in one interview you referred to it as the motown of animation and being from detroit i'm down with that <laughs> 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 so can you talk a little about um what is the purpose of Leo Sullivan Multimedia Foundation and, and, how, and why did you uh, start AfroKids?
1: Okay, that's two questions. But anyway, <clears throat> we did the foundation because we, the foundation concentrates on, on media. In other words, a train kit in game development, uh, uh, what do you call it, um, any um, robotics or anything like that. And we, we, we were given these classes and getting sponsorship from sponsors uh, uh, and people contributing money and to train kids or, or introduce them. basically our age bracket was to introduce kids to those disciplines so they they, they can make that choice a lot of them that ain't what i want to do and uh but some say hey that's great i didn't know anything like this uh happened it's, it's like when i would tell the the the, the kids you playing this game here. Have you ever thought that everything that you do has been pre-planned by somebody? Somebody thought of everything you're going to think of as you play this game. That means that's a job, and then I would break down all the jobs that related to that, and they were blown away. So, in some of those things that we would offer in our courses, uh, we had people come down from Pixar and and uh, uh, Disney and and myself and other teachers uh, that have disciplines, that uh, illustrates and all that, to teach classes. And with uh, the support of people giving donations or, or being a Patreon and everything, helps reach out to those kids to uh, to uh, advance themselves. And then we always say, as a, a carrot at the end of that, we say, all those that may go, go on with their careers in high school and taking an art or whatever, and uh, or do, or do projects that have some merit to it, they got a place to put it on. AfroKids, our streaming channels, we have AfroKids TV, we have AfroKids uh, on Roku, Amazon, and all that sort of thing in a limited way. But as we get more uh, revenue coming in uh, and people supporting what it is we do, we can offer more to the community, to to young artists who are, who, are, who are just looking for a door to walk in and a place where they can say, hey, I'm a part of something. So they can advance their own own uh, agenda. See, my thing is, I'm basically retired, (laughs) and everything I do, I'm doing it when I'm trying to talk about making money. It's not necessary to be rich; it's to pass on to the next generation for them to have the opportunity, the same opportunity that I've had. I worked in my craft those sixty years. Think about that. I've been able to do okay. what I what I like to do for over sixty years. I want to give that. I share that with somebody coming up.
2: Beautiful thing, man. We lucky. We lucky that we got folks like that in the in the community, in this in this space of animation, because. Getting in, getting in animation. I didn't think that I would have. I didn't think I'd be having conversations like this when I first got into the industry. I just thought, you know, I'm gonna do my thing to make cool stuff, and hopefully, I can help somebody that's coming, that's gonna come in after me. But thinking that I'd be having a conversation with with OGs such as yourself, yeah, it does. It does. It triggers something in you. You know, your passion gets a little bit more hot. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. <laughs> Well, I understand it, you know, because that basically that's me. <clears throat> I'm doing what I want to do, basically under my terms. And then, then there are obstacles. It's constant obstacles. The biggest obstacle I have is the quote black community.
2: Well, speak know. on that. Wait a wait a minute. Look, we need some details on that. Whoa, break that down.
1: Now cover up your ears.
2: <laughs> uh uh-uh. uh. I want all this. I want I want I want all of it right here into the into these, the, new, into the, new,
0: the new slang is he want all
1: the all of it <laughs> I want all of it. Our children are being mentally taken over by the media real talk. The people who are doing that have an agenda to destruct the black family. And because most of the young people in that age range from say about 18, I, was, I would go as high as about going into the 50s, early, early, say 50. Uh, most of them that I've met don't have the, uh, they separate certain things that really applies, all those things apply to them. Family, raising children, developing those children's minds to be productive citizens and giving them a pathway to their future. They have uh, what do you call it? Uh, Self-esteem, self-awareness, education. And they're not getting that. Their idols are Megan Thee Stallion, Cardi Blue, and all those. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh, uh-oh. And advertising. their brains or TV shows it with violence and, and and derogatory things and racism and and uh, so their minds are occupied in a state that uh, distracts from their growth. So you have ten-year-olds and eight-year-olds they can't pay attention to, pay attention to something that helps them advance, and then most of them have parents. They can't even relate to the kids. We have found that out during this pandemic with people locked up with their kids. They're in terrific fear because they're saying things like, I don't got time to be at home with these children. So now, which is very interesting and it's sad, but it's kind of interesting and it kind of brings a smile on my face. Now they got to deal with sending them back to school. That's another thing that's been put on the plate Now they're not working because of the pandemic. They have to stay at home so they can't can't do that. They gotta be with the children and now the children can go back to school. I know that's gonna go down. They're not gonna go back to school for this quarter. So they gotta do something to build up their children's and give the children the the time of day. And a lot of them don't have that responsibility or have they taken the responsibility to do that. And I can say that because of my age. My kids are in their mid-50s. Damn.
2: That's crazy. It's crazy to think about. So anybody I feel
3: like
0: in addition to that, like uh, they you know, parents tend to want other people or 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 TV to raise their children. So if you think about when um, you know, Sesame Street made Cookie Monster eat vegetables. That's it's like, right? why don't you just teach your children to not eat cookies? A, a cookie Monster isn't like I grew up on Cookie Monster. I didn't I didn't ravishly eat cookies. I, I tried to eat vegetables. I I had a thing with vegetables, but it wasn't because of Cookie Monster. <laughs> so like people are regulating these things instead well, of raising <laughs> their children
1: themselves.
2: I ate, I the- ate my vegetables because my mama says she'll whoop my ass if I don't clean that plate.
1: And that's pretty much what mine said.
2: <laughs> you better clean that damn plate, boy. That's you right, know what boy. I mean?
1: <laughs> you hear that all the time. Now, to answer that question, address that problem, that's where the responsibility that the parents have to go, go to. And when I started the Afro kids and, and what I'm doing, it's just to give them a place to start from. There are other people who have other kinds of at-home schooling or things like that, that, that uh, the people have to expose their kids to that. They got to take out the time. Everybody's after the bling. Everybody wants to be be popular. Everybody wants likes, likes, and, and followers and all that, you know. And when you go when you, when you go through your list of followers, you really only have one or two friends, and maybe mm-hmm. just one true friend. Everybody else are just what they are. They're followers when they remember your name. Real tough. And then That's you know
0: fast. if you think about. Them taking uh, cursive out of the schools and like all the all the um, parents complaining. And I was like, "You do know you could teach your own child cursive." <laughs> That's how I learned cursive. I didn't <laughs> learn cursive in school. I wanted to write like my mom, you so know, I asked her to teach me how to write in cursive.
2: <laughs> you know, I, I also no. think another another factor is that some people, a, a lot of people, know what they're teaching, but very few people know how to teach what they know. A lot of adults don't have skills in how to convey information to somebody else in a way that they can digest it and replicate. And I think um, that should be something that's taught to a lot of parents. We should have classes on how to teach, you know?
1: Well, you know something in my day, they used to call it mother wit. (laughs) Just do the things that are what you consider right. In other words, you don't take your kid to school and drop them off and then come back and, and let the system, the, the systemic thing, control their minds. And then when you come and pick them up, and you don't ask them how they're doing in school, you mm-hmm. don't ask them how they feel. You don't ask them. You tell them to shut up, go sit in the corner, do that, do this, do that. And you don't hear what they have to say you forget that they're little human beings They will grow up and you hope they don't grow up to be like you, if you're the way that.
2: <laughs> Man, yeah, real you know talk, I
1: mean? real talk. So, and that's the reality and young people don't know that and they run away from it. Do you realize that here in the, in the city of Los Angeles, or what city, the uh, California schools in the quote brown and black communities, especially black, we have, 15, 16, 18-year-old kids reading level of a third grader? How can a parent not know that? Mm. Yet those kids can remember every lyric of a of a rap song. I remember when we were selling a book called the, the, the um, uh, graphic novel that's featured on our site about the Tuskegee uh, Airmen. And we said, well, let's do it in the uh, a graphic novel type type, story presentation so they can get the education as well as kind of get an anime look look to the book. And we would go to these little uh, uh,
3: <laughs>
1: gatherings like, uh, where they have uh, the vendors and everything. And people wouldn't buy it. They would ask the kid, you, you want this? they say, no. And I, would sit, and I would look at the parents and say, you don't ask the kid whether he wants it or not. You you buy it and tell his ass or whatever. He's got (laughs) to read it so he can learn something. Pretty much. They don't do that. The kids rule the house. Those Mm -hmm. that do have a chance. And there's some kids that just kind of sit up and and, uh, don't say anything. Wait until they can get out of the house.
3: Mm
1: -hmm. Wait till they grow up. And then they build up all during that period. They built up a lot of hate and inner feelings of low self-esteem. And they think they can get that by having the the swag and the, mm-hmm. and the and the and all those things that have no particularly no value to them and uh, and all sur-
2: all surface no substance. That's
1: pretty much. And, also, and everybody yeah. looks, especially in our community. All look. Everybody looks the other way and doesn't look. They say, "Isn't my kid smart because he knows how to use the computer?" Because maybe the parents at age they don't know how to use it. Well, the answer mm-hmm. to that is. Uh, no, your kid ain't smart. <laughs> Ask like, what's the capital of the, Wisconsin? What's the capital of, of, of uh, Florida or Texas or whatever? Who's the president of the United States? <laughs>
2: I'm definitely bad with geography. I'll put that out there right now.
0: <laughs> but I, I go back to being in eighth grade and in my 20s, just thinking back to my childhood and being like, why was I reading Native Son in eighth grade? Because my father gave it to me and told me to read it. <laughs> it's
1: like, that's right. That's what's up. But but now, see, that's not done. Parents mm-hmm. are taking a back seat to raising their children, and I didn't know that till I started Afro Kids. But I've stayed the course because I think during this window of opportunity, a few people. What do you guys say now? Woke. Yeah. Woke up <laughs> and uh, get the message. When they look at that little thing they brought into the world, it took about three minutes (laughs) and a lifetime to be able to say, you know, you are important to me and I should look out to your welfare and give you the loving uh, guidance that you need to become a productive person and have your own self-worth.
2: I think that's why it's important that we got people like you, Mr. Sullivan.
1: Mm-hmm. Hey so boys, we can stay so you know, we can
2: stay connected
1: i can't carry the whole burden <laughs>
2: no i mean we, as far we, as going we, we back help to you out
1: yeah i'm we, talking about
2: as far as going back and talking to people like yourself is gonna is gonna help us kind of you know kind
0: carry
2: of the torch. Re- recalibrate what we're doing and then to yeah to carry the torch you know
0: can you talk about the um, mentality that is important as Black artists as we're trying to build, you know, companies, brands, and more such as it being a marathon and not a sprint? Because that's another thing about people in my generation where and below where all this media is in 10 seconds. And so we're, we're so used to instant gratification and the microwave version things, but you have to I'm be in it for the long game. Okay.
1: The problem is that people want to have... Uh, uh what do you call it uh, that instant gratification constantly mm-hmm. and that's that's a kind of a a trap that they put themselves in and they don't really re- realize how you change that is probably through some kind of an educational thing of making them aware aware of it <clears throat> but they fight that because that that means they got to go another direction that not so popular they got to go in that direction see it's hard to go up against the man because he controls a lot of dynamics that affect your decision making and that's mm-hmm. that's a lot of people don't have those skills to understand the dynamics of what's happening and how they're what i call the modern day mental slaves
0: yeah Um, so, you know, a lot of times black artists fail independently because they don't know the business side of things, as you mentioned earlier. Uh, what are a few tips you can give black artists to what they need to learn to be independently successful, whether, whether they need to look it up, what do they need to research and look up to be successful on the business side, not just the artistic side?
1: Try to sell your artwork, try to sell what you do and see who's willing to buy it. How many doors are closed in your face? How many people say, "Hey, I like that." You know, a lot of people that pat you on the head and give you all all kind of a, uh, nice statements. Hey, "You're great. You're you're a great artist," but they don't give you no check or any money or to support what it is that you're doing. So, it's, you got to create value, and usually you have to do that on your own. And that research. Uh, Put yourself out there. Sometimes I even have trouble doing that at my age with all my legacy and everything, because that's hard work. That's real hard work. And then how much confidence do you have in yourself? Well, I have a lot of confidence in myself, but now when you do that, that's another job. You gotta be a job as an artist, a job as a businessman, a job as a creator, Uh, and then fight all the dynamics that uh against you as well as those that are for you. So a lot of people don't want to go that route. It's nice to sit over in the corner, do your do your quota, and get and have that eagle fly on Friday, as we used to say, and take that home and see how far you can stretch it.
0: So also um, you've taught at the Art Institute of California, Orange County yep. and have hosted uh, various workshops for kids. So what do you like about teaching and passing on that knowledge?
1: Well, the thing about teaching is, uh, I have a, a big thing about that because I, I wasn't a very good teacher teacher because I'm, I'm kind of one of those guys, uh, teach, I won't say guy, I just say teacher if you don't get it, I don't have time for you. <laughs> Damn! <laughs> I
2: didn't. I didn't hear the rest of it, but I got it on the tail end. Of this
1: <laughs> so that was and I know there's a, uh, basically three ways that people learn: you know, hands-on, the cognitive, and what's the other one? That uh, just let them read what it is they got to do and they go do it. Uh, so, and I don't have it the trying to do that I have the skills. So I hire people to do certain things that I'm not well at, that I, that I can't do. I just become the, the what do you call it, the, the coach. Hey, hey, get in there. yeah. Hey, go say this. Hey, do that. Or if I really get PO'd, then I'll step in and, and uh, give them the old Leo Sullivan lecture. But otherwise... <laughs> Uh, I'm sure
2: that's worth a lot, though. I'm sure there's a whole bunch of gems in that lecture. So,
1: well, you're talking about the Art Institute. Because I talked to, talk to the truth, uh, they didn't like that. Now, as they tell the students, I would say, look, you know, there's 20 of you in each of these classes, and maybe 20 classes going on, and that's at this school. And I said, this particular franchise that our art institute had, I think, at the time, 50 schools across the country, and then their competitors had those their schools that had 20 and 30 in their in, in their affiliation programs. Then you had the colleges. Then you have the the, the 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 one-off schools that were teaching the same kind of curriculum. And I said, and they're putting out people every day into the streets that are graduating. And I said. That's going to be your competition,
2: which is a lot. That's a whole lot. Those those numbers don't work. Don't work in your favor.
1: That's right. That's right. Yeah. And I says, DreamWorks at the time. I'd say DreamWorks, Disney's, and all those companies. They can only hire so many people. Yep. So where do you fit? I remember going to a a, a reunion, if you can call it that. Of a bunch of artists, that one of the teachers that brought me into the art institute had, with all the students that she had had in her class, who didn't get at that time, couldn't get jobs. And there must have been about thirty or thirty or forty of them or something. The only ones that got the jobs were the primo people, the people that were just at the top of their game in what they did, and. Uh, they went out into the industry and they just moved up the, the, uh, the, what do you call it? The
2: corporate ladder.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Or the crap doing what they do.
2: Mm hmm. I actually spoke, I went to the Art Institute in San Francisco and I went back yeah. to speak one time. Um, and yeah, they didn't have me back after that. <laughs> Cause I just, I kind of told them the same thing. I said, here's the reality of, of, you know, being in the field and working and, yep. and, um, yeah, the uh, the teacher, the instructor that was there in that class where I was speaking, because I brought I brought another OG, right? Because I'm I'm one of the people that listen to the OGs. I respect the OGs because the OGs are gonna give you what are gonna show you how to last, right? They're gonna give you information that's gonna have you that's gonna allow you to have a career that spans 50 years, right? Yeah. So when they asked me to come speak, I brought one of the OGs that kind of mentored me. I said, You need to talk to this person. Talking to me is whatever. You need to talk to this guy but after our talk the instructor in that class um he tried to kind of give a rebuttal to what we were saying and i said listen i don't mean no disrespect but i'm working he's here teaching he's not working
1: boy when you say that they get pissed. so
2: uh, yeah okay. and i and i said so i'm not i don't mean any disrespect i'm saying you can listen to him or you can listen to this og over here that's got 20 20 years in the game it's a it's up to you, you know, so that, yeah, I didn't, I didn't go back after, after that.
1: <laughs> they invited me back to speak after that. That's pretty much kind of what I, what I went, uh, went through and then it's because the, what they're interested in was making money. Yeah. The kids, just like the, the school systems now, how many kids can we get to sit in that seat so we can get money from the government? It's yep. not about what the kids learn. And so yep. that's that's destructive to the kids because they're wasting the best years of their lives.
2: Yeah. Yep.
0: Yeah, because I have some people reach out to me and they're like, sometimes, I just graduated from college and I'm like, oh, let me see your work. And I'm like, that's what a college graduate's work looks like? <laughs>
3: like, oh, okay. Yep,
1: that's it. So anyway, that's that's kind of like the the teaching aspect. I want to. I don't want mm-hmm. to sound like I'm a negative old guy right, who's sitting here saying there's no, there's no, there's no hope. There's plenty of hope. There's actually there's more hope now. Mm-hmm. What, what was it I said at one of my interviews? I said, "Hey, listen, the animation industry now for black people. What's what's great about it now? There's enough of us to even get mad at each other. That's great. <laughs> in my day, there wasn't enough of us to get mad at each other." So so I said, so that means that's progress. So when I see all these young uh, brown faces pop up and I say, gee whiz, uh, what can I say?
0: So speaking of getting mad at each other, something in the black community um, that people comment on is all of these movies and TV shows coming out that highlight our black trauma but not always talking about black joy. So do you have any thoughts on one incorporating the importance of incorporating our culture into projects when given the opportunity? And then like, do you have any thoughts on all this content on, you know, black trauma? Like when I saw see you yesterday on Netflix and that was uh, direct, it wasn't directed by Spike Lee, but I think it was produced by Spike Lee And I remember being excited that it was like, oh, these kids, these black kids are going back in time. But then she was going back in time to save her brother from getting shot by the police. And it was just like, why does our storylines have to be connected to that? So do you have any comments on on that
1: or thoughts? A lot. (laughs) (laughs) But I'll I'll, I'll, I'll tone it down a little bit. (laughs) That's a part of what I'm talking about. When I was Mm -hmm. talking about the the Megan Stallions and all those, all that sort of thing, there's that other element of uh, of uh, of uh, the minds being manipulated, Mm -hmm. and you got a a lot of the lot of the young black brothers who who trying to do do their thing. Everything is dark. Mm -hmm. Everything is foreboding. Everything is. uh, They don't know it is negative. That's their inner self or the thing that I talked about, that the uh, <clears throat> of how they were raised. You're talking to a young guy; who's 21, 22, everything. That first 15, that first six years, was a certain part of development what he saw and what he, what, what what he or she was learning. And by the time they're in the 12 or 13 bracket, their mind's kind of made up of how they mm-hmm. see see life. And then everything else after that is those. Other experiences segue in from puberty into adult adulthood. So the black kids who live in quote the hood or whatever they call it, the mm-hmm. community, they are exposed to kind of a different way of life. And I don't want to generalize. It, but, well, I am generalizing because I know some people are going to come back and say, "Wow, that's not me. I'm middle class. I'm I'm bourgeois." I'm, I'm, you know, I'm,
2: I I'm. grew up, I grew up, uh, you know, on the lower <laughs> tier, so I I get it.
1: Yeah. So, and and, and I'm used to all that because I realize that everybody's coming from their, their point of reference and everything.
3: Mm-hmm. But the
1: bottom line is why those dark images and that dark mindset, mm-hmm. it's uh, part of the ma- manipulation that's taking place.
0: Because those are the stories that get greenlit.
1: Yeah, they get greenlit uh, because... They see, we spend all our time crying, but not doing what we need to elevate ourselves. Mm -hmm. We come, but we don't use, uh, we don't cause action. We throw bricks and break windows, but we don't get out and vote. Mm. I mean, we don't think about the future and developing wealth. We live for the moment because we can buy some five hundred dollar shoes.
2: We do we do need the OGs to speak honest though because because <laughs> that that again that'll kind of snap snap us back into where we need to be, you know? That's right. So, and all
0: that stuff also goes into lack of education because, you know, through my work in the National Urban League movement of, you know, trying to get people to vote, you realize that um people don't vote because they don't realize how it's connected to their lives. So you have to educate people on the presidency, while it's an important um, place to vote, you need to vote in your local elections, in your state elections, because that more directly connects to how you live. Like, Absolutely. if you vote for this judge, who who uh, in this circuit court who determines whether you your um, sister gets her domestic violence case dealt with, like that, that's all the stuff that's interconnected. But it's a lack of knowledge of not knowing how voting locally particularly is connected to your life
1: yes that that really is the crux of everything is ignorance mm-hmm. yep in our community absolutely it, it, it's ignorance unawareness we're going to put on it so therefore people how can i put it you know when you don't know something I think sometimes. a lot of times
2: people don't know what they don't know, you know? And then and sometimes people know
0: they don't know and don't look to find out to know.
2: <laughs> but I think also since we don't talk, we don't we don't have constant communication between one another, then you know, things can easily get lost or things can easily get misconstrued. As far as like me going to talk to my earlier self, my younger self, I know I'm gonna have to come with all type of tricks and gags and whatnot to kind of get that person to come into the room and sit down and be still. You know what I mean? And cuz I'm a very I'm very different now than what I was, you know, when I was 16, 17. Hopefully everybody is, hopefully everybody changes, you know, that you much know. over time. But a lot of people just they don't have when I was growing up like I didn't have those people in my in my vicinity that I can, you know, I can poke or more 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 importantly they poke me like, "Hey, you need to come and holler at me." I didn't have a lot of those folks in my in my vicinity and the ones that were there didn't look like me right and they yep. and they weren't they weren't about to spend any time on me i was the troublemaker and i was the person that wasn't going to succeed or whatever so you know they didn't spend any time on me and they figured that you know i was a you know lost i was a cause. waste of their effort yeah i was a waste of their efforts yeah i was a lost cause you know what i mean so that's why it's so important for us to kind of keep those constant that those constant lines of communication open so we can't, cause a lot of people really don't know. Like what everyone was saying, they really don't understand the ramifications of something as simple as voting or not voting. Like they don't, they don't get it. And I didn't when I was yeah. when I was yeah. growing up. I didn't, not at all. Now I do, and I said to oh, myself, I wish I could whoop my young my young self ass. You know,
1: yeah, <laughs> it's like uh, when James Brown had the song out years ago, "I'm Black and I'm Proud."
2: Mm-hmm. And, and
1: then the other one he says, he says. Uh, just open up the door. I will get it myself. <laughs>
2: yeah, me nowadays.
1: Real. What do you hear? I want. My, here's my hand. Give, give me something. Give me something. Give me something. Give me. Give me. Give me. Give me. Give me. And uh, that's kind of an attitude that's been, been uh, a holdover from slavery. People say, like, like I find that like a lot of the young people they don't want to hear about slavery, but slavery was the basis of mm. who we are today, and. They got to know their history to know where they're going. If they knew their history, they would vote.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I think so. Absolutely. Because
0: even with the Black Codes, you know, me and Dre have talked about this, where when you're at a company and two or three, well, three or more Black people are congregated, there back in the day, there was a rule that three or more Black people could not congregate. <laughs> and so it's like kind of subconsciously... Uh, passed down to uh, the the white people, and so when they see it, they look at it as suspicious. No matter if you're dressed yep. in business casual, business. I, I remember standing outside of my supervisor's office, talking to three other black women, and one of my white coworkers coming by and saying, "Oh, what mischievous things are you doing? We're talking about work. What are you even What are you even saying?" Yeah. So if you know your history, you can know the context of how people are treating you today,
2: <laughs> and you can you can start to see the signs. Like mm-hmm. as a small thing, when you see the signs, you can you can you can kind of you know stop it there and not let it grow into something, not let it grow into something bigger. You know that same code is used in a uh, San Quentin State Prison, where only all the other groups are fine. Black folks have to walk in twos. That's it. It is it is uh it is uh something that the correctional officers there. Uh, they make sure that that is followed by the, by the, all the black folks of San Quentin. You can only walk And that's twos. another
0: thing, that the, the, the transportation of prison culture into our schools, where our, like in, in go being on a board for a charter school board in New Orleans and the way they have the, the, the broken window policy or the zero tolerance policy in schools, you have to raise your hand at a 90 degree angle, you have to walk on these lines, you're preparing our children for prison.
2: Yep, pretty much. And I can vouch for that because it's just like that in there. <laughs> it's just like that. Yep.
1: Well, I could talk about that for another hour. That, 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 <laughs> well,
2: <laughs> the, what? We <laughs> had to have like episodes two, three, and four. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah, But the thing is, that's all a part of the mental control.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And then when you fall for it, and sometimes you put in a position, especially uh, the black people in the community, I would say this as a shout out. Is that the new, is that still in? Yeah. That's right,
2: yep. <laughs> Sending a shout out, yep. The shout out
1: is that when you feel deep down inside or mentally, you all of a sudden got this awareness that you are being manipulated,
3: mm-hmm.
1: it's time to do something about it. Real talk. And uh, if you think everything is cool Brothers and sisters, it ain't. <laughs> he was going to say
3: it ain't. <laughs> it ain't. So,
0: what, what what advice do you have to young artists in being authentic, being proud, who they are, and walking with that confidence as they navigate life and as they navigate the animation industry like you've done? I'm guessing it's just do it yourself.
1: <laughs> what What was that? She I'm saying I'm guessing it's just do it yourself. It yourself. Yep.
0: <laughs> To to keep that confidence in tech.
1: You know, that's an individual thing. Mm -hmm. I could say something that could be collectively applied to everybody. But when it all boils down, it's an individual thing. Think about it like this. When you're out in the public, you're acting one way. When you go home and you're, you're, what do they call it, a... When you go home, you, know. when you, you can in, be In
2: yourself. the privacy of your home.
1: Yeah, you can be yourself. You can be who you really are. And uh, most Black people have to play Jekyll and Hyde. In other words, they got to be what they are on the job and who they are around when, when their friends. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then people who are, that look like them. And then even then you got to test that because you may be talking one thing and that's the same color. He ain't there with you, <laughs> or you're not yeah. there with him. Yeah. So, so that's an obstacle, because, uh, uh, and that's just a reality. Mm-hmm. So, basically, what I can say about the, to that question is that it uh, depends on each individual has to meet it. You know, pursue their own Waterloo, if you want to call it that. For the kids, people that don't know what that means. You got to kind of like control as much as you're. Your own destiny as you can,
0: yeah,
1: uh, to achieve those goals and the, to be accepted. Whether me to, and Dre were
0: talking
1: or, about that the other day,
0: <laughs> huh?
2: Up? Me and Dre were, were talking we, about that the other day. Yeah, we were yeah. talking about that very same thing.
1: It, because if you, if you don't, you're letting other people make that decision for you. That's that's why our minds have been taken over by certain aspects of the media, where they they know that you are uh, you're in that state of mind because they have psychologists. Just like we're sitting here talking, there's psychologists sit around the table all day in these various corporate offices and everything and plot and do things mm-hmm. to, to set up the deck. So when you sit down at the table, you say, I thought it's supposed to be 52 cards. <laughs>
0: right. <laughs> right. I was just thinking that.
1: Is it, is it, is it that some cards are missing? <laughs> Well, they, they got
0: the, some extra aces in their hand. Yeah, that's right. I they always say, aces. I, would
2: say uh, <laughs> I say, I say, we're playing chess, and we start with and we start with fewer pieces. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. That's mm-hmm.
1: that's that so to be aware of that, now you don't have to be hostile mm-hmm. uh, in, in 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 your 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 reactions and all that. You just have to be you know. The biggest thing is, I remember when I was running certain studios or working in certain studios. They said, why don't you always keep that box on the shelf and next to your desk? And I said, I never know when they're gonna come in and say, I'm out of here. <laughs> mm. So I want to have something to put my shit in so I can get out as fast as I can.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Sullivan stayed stayed on his shit. I like that. <laughs> if you stay ready, you ain't gotta get ready, right?
1: I, I was I was kinda yeah, like a a, a silent ma- maverick. I never had an mm. argument with anybody, any shoddy matches or anything and everything. There were people that probably didn't like me because of how they perceived me or, or whatever. But I felt true to myself and, uh, and, uh, and I had to make a, make a lot of compromises. because I was raising a family, I had two kids and,
3: mm-hmm.
1: and loving wife and all that and loving kids. So at times when I had to bite the bullet and uh, walk that white line mm-hmm. and try not to stumble.
3: Yeah.
2: Yeah. With all the obstacles in the way, too.
1: That's right. That's right. Yeah. So
0: what do you what do you hope Black animators do in this current landscape that you wish you would have done, particularly with the technology and just the access we have these days to YouTube? What do you hope Black animators, young Black animators, are doing right now?
1: I would hope that you do your own thing. If you can. Mm-hmm. Have the wherewithal to make it happen. Because even doing that, yes, there's more opportunity and uh, technology and everything, but then there's other people doing the same thing that you want to do. So I have people call me up and they say, I want to see all your content so I can see what I can pick out of the use. And I started laughing. And I said, you got the right number?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Real talk. (laughs) <laughs> they better recognize who they talking to.
1: They want to take a shortcut. Yeah. I haven't had any shortcuts.
3: Mm.
2: Yeah, so you ain't having any, you ain't giving any.
1: No way. <laughs> That's right. No way. If, you, if you're going to work with me, you got to give something to me, and I give something back. Mm-hmm. That can either be money, services, or just... I have another thing I say to young people which, which they really don't understand. I say, everything I tell you, and you pick up on it, I can't take it back. So you have it mm-hmm. and that's value to you. Yep. Absolutely. So write me a check. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, they say uh, youth is wasted on the young
2: <laughs> that's real well
1: you know I don't, I don't want the people taking up my time uh, for all of their mis, missteps
3: mm-hmm.
1: and uh, they gotta my time has value to it yeah absolutely because if I'm giving somebody time and they, they're not interested or they don't have the wherewithal to follow through I should be giving that time to somebody else who does
3: mm-hmm
0: that's what I tell to young people who reach out to me. Um, when I take my time to give you advice, take it, <laughs> and don't come back to me and then t- and then t- tell me that you didn't take my advice because I feel like I wasted my time.
1: That's so. right. So you have to be careful with that. And then the young people, they <clears throat> in these times they want a shortcut to go through the steps that takes time, energy. Mm-hmm. a a, a mental state a whole lot of failures
2: that you got to get over
1: finances Mm -hmm. and uh, I don't know why they don't think they have the time especially if they're 20 years old or or 30 years old
0: you got plenty of time
2: yeah real talk
0: so if there was in a documentary about your life what other than animation would, would you like to highlight it in the documentary
1: uh, how, what a great guy I was! Yeah, that's right, OG. <laughs> that's
2: you got to be your own biggest fan. Got to be yeah. your own biggest fan. That's right.
1: That that I I gave him my best. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I say, say this. I say, you know, what I want on my gravestone? I say, do I want? I gave it my best shot, or <laughs> or or, <laughs> or something real like. A, Gone with the wind, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you have about five or 20 headstones around your grave given the whole story. I don't know. But basically, the answer to the question is that I, I, I just want people to understand that are coming up mm-hmm. uh, to be able to uh, say, hey, this guy did whatever he did in contributing. Mm-hmm. I... <laughs> I <laughs> I can do that. Mm-hmm. I was watching a, a thing on Obama. And maybe you've seen it. It's like a little little promo. I guess they're going to use it during the election as a, as a promo for, for Biden or whatever, mm-hmm. advertising. And it shows these all these different colors, Obama and, and uh, Michelle with all these different kids. I don't know if you've seen that.
3: Mm-hmm. And it's
1: so great to see the little especially not only the, the, the white kids and Asian kids, but to see the little black kids looking up at, looking up at Obama with their big eyes and mm-hmm. shaking his hand. And, and, and just the, that those looks are just precious. Yeah, made it to tears because it's like that's the next generation. And here he was with a, he, at the time when he was a, the president that they were speaking to a man in the White House who mm-hmm. looked like them yeah and that's one of the nooses when we can we talk about what do you guys call it black women in animation or black animators and everything if mm-hmm. you're really saying is uh who are we as black people and what are we going to contribute mm-hmm. in our time doing right. what we do
2: those are two heavy and ass that, questions too
1: that's right that's right and so mm-hmm. that that thing that you spoke about earlier about the, the darkness of what the black uh, guys do they want to mm-hmm. just super superheroes they want they want to be powerful they want to be be a, a part of the system all of that's fine but they're ever I know it's tough to get a 43 a year old or 20 year old black guy these days with all his hormones going to draw little bunny rabbits you know what I mean <laughs> 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 they just ain't going to draw no bunny rabbit or, or, or some kind of character that that has some kind of redeeming value, even though they may not be black.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, Why well, we stress the black or especially
0: thing. Especially in that vulnerability.
1: Yes. Yeah. So we stress the black thing, but all you other, other general population out there mm-hmm. is that they're just a seat at the table.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: If you don't give us a seat, or if that word give, we got to take a seat, or we don't even want to come to the meeting.
2: Yeah, we could build our own table, make our own seats.
1: That's right.
2: Yeah, there's, not, there's, there's, a, there's more than enough of us. There's more than enough of us. There's more than mm-hmm. six now, Mr. Sullivan. You know what I mean? There's more than six now. That's right, that's right. <laughs> there might be like 66 that's
1: now. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm highlighting them all.
1: That's right. Can you imagine? It would take somebody with a lot of guts to do that, Mm -hmm. if the the black creators in some kind of way would say, you know something, these people aren't going to let us in Mm -hmm. and give us a piece of the action. I'm not talking about a job. I'm talking about a piece of the action. Ownership. Mm -hmm. And they say, you know what, there's a diaspora around the world.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: that
1: would like to have what we have. Definitely. Yep. Why don't we put our heads together and go for that? And mm-hmm. as they see what we're doing, they'll join. And that coalition around from Brazil to Africa, the various places and continents and countries in Africa and in the UK and and Brazil and everything, that's a lot of people. Yep. That's right. That are brown. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. They're coming all different colors of brown. (laughs) So just thinking we had a connection and a pipeline that that fed that audience, whether it's uh, something from uh, Nigeria, South Africa, Brazil, uh, Rio de Janeiro, the U.K. or the U.S., a place where we could do our thing and we had that Mm -hmm. support of the people around the world. That would create a lot of jobs within the Black animation community. Mm-hmm. True. so
0: Mr. Sullivan I um I love that you came on my platform to let me highlight you you are an important person in the black animation history uh, can we'll you let talk. the people know how to support you Um, I know you have a bunch of mer- merchandise on afrokids.com and pr- premiere content by subscription on AfroKids TV but how can we support you
1: be a subscriber mm-hmm. when we open up our Patreon account be a mm-hmm. patron. Maybe you don't want to be a subscriber. Be a patron that, that sends money in. Mm-hmm. If you want to b- donate to the foundation, donate to the foundation. Mm-hmm. Then we can pay teachers to to come in and and, uh, and uh, 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 teach the next generation coming up to to have the, the skills to be able to compete in this in this new society, a uh, technological society that's being developed. Uh, they got to invest in their own community and support the people who are trying to to do things. Yeah. You know, here's what I think is very interesting. How can we be really competitors with each other when the general, I'm going to put it politely, the general, let's say general, (laughs) won't let us into the club. Mm Mm-hmm. You
2: talking about you talking about them uh you're talking about them gray folks. I got you.
1: Yeah, understand what I'm saying
2: <laughs>
0: we're trying to get in the club to have a dance battle. We can't even get in because we got uh fitted hats.
1: <laughs> yeah,
2: right. Yeah, Gosh. they they wanna they wanna check they wanna check our attire Gosh. and have a dress code for us. Yeah, exactly.
1: So the thing is is, is uh, uh that's the real thing. Mm-hmm. And it and it ain't easy. Yeah. Because we we uh It might be a coalition of of a a bunch of little entities Mm
3: -hmm. that that
1: maybe uh, develops a network or or whatever that that, that people can tap into. Because, see, everybody says, we're going to get advertising if we do something. Not necessarily. But just think if you had 20 million or half a million, I mean, uh, uh, 50 million Mm-hmm. People that are buying into what it is you're doing of color,
2: right. mm-hmm.
1: and you could impact those big companies. Like I won't, I won't name them, but you could impact them by saying that our people are spending money with us mm-hmm. first before they come to you. That's what the man understands, and then he will open up the doors because if he keeps. If he closes them anymore, he doesn't leave us any choice. At least now, he's got something to negotiate with So mm-hmm. we take that path.
0: Well, thank you for dropping gems. Thank you, Dre, for joining me on this interview. And What's for you there? out there, like so I know it's real. Comment and tell me how you feel. Subscribe to See the Deal and sign up for post notifications to show your zeal. And I'll see you in the next video. Peace.
1: Where's my check?
0: <laughs> I'm going <laughs> to <that> in. <laughs>